There are two important lessons that we are given today through our readings. First comes from the letter of St. Paul to Thessalonians, which is our first reading, and then the, the gospel itself, the powerful gospel, and who is this Jesus, the Messiah. First of all, from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians, what we have here is that we have St. Paul writing to them and wishes to advise them as to what this resurrection is all about. What is our life as Christians? That as Christians, we are not only to live with the Lord, but also to die in him, but also to rise with him. And so St. Paul realizes that their understanding of resurrection is kind of weak. So he says, we do not want you to be unaware, my brothers and sisters, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. So right away he says, you know, he says, I know some of you are grieving, grieving the, the passing of their, their loved ones, but you're forgetting something very important, is that they will rise. They will rise. There's a resurrection. You know, I know there's a sadness, anyone who passes away, we kind of think of ourselves missing that person, but we're not thinking of the person being uh, entering the very portals of God. We don't think as much because obviously someone whom we love is no longer with us, so there's a grief, and that's proper, and there's not an issue here. But St. Paul says, but I don't want you to grieve like there's no hope. They're gone, and they'll never, we'll never see him again. So he says, you can't do this. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose, so too will God, through Jesus, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Because if we believe, then God will provide. God will bring him through Jesus, will give him the eternal life. Indeed, we tell you this on the word of the Lord. So God is, Jesus himself teaches us. It's not my word, St. Paul says. It's, we, 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 we tell you this on the word of, of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will surely not precede those who have fallen asleep. See, the other difficulty was that Thessalonians were hoping that they would be able to live until the second coming. So they were always looking forward, because then, when, when we are still alive, then we know that Jesus will take us with him. But what about those who have passed away? Will they also join? Or will they be missing, missing the, 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 the great experience? And once, once again, St. Paul says, no, no, no. It says those who died will be first to be raised before us who are still alive. They'll be the first. And he says, so that's why I say, and, you know, and, and he says, that because those who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will surely not precede those who have fallen asleep. So will those who are alive, you know, that doesn't mean that they will reap the benefits of the second coming. For the Lord himself with the word of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God will come down from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with, with, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. So 
type of encouraging news for the Thessalonians, perhaps for us well as well. And a very powerful statement, thus we shall always be with the Lord. There'll never be a time when we'll not be. The concept of, of, of death in, in a biblical way is when we pass away, we're, we're, it's not just the souls are united, but it will be souls and the body at the time of resurrection of the dead. A whole person, yes, glorified, but the whole person. It won't be just our mind like the Greeks believed that finally, you know, the spirit will be freed from the body. It can roam around every place. But no, Christianity and Judeo-Christian faith was always the whole person, the whole person. So yes, there will be a separation for a while until the day of the resurrection from the dead because the Lord will bring us back into life. But the Lord says to us, I always, I will be with you always. So when we fall asleep, what do we will see? Jesus. We'll see Blessed Longer. And he's the one who will be escorting us even if if he will say to us, we still need to be more purified by, by my love because you're not ready yet. You've been too attached to things. There's things you haven't made, make up, made up for yet as, as part of you know, the, the broken relationships. You haven't really asked me for forgiveness yet fully. So it, that, this, that should not worry us because we are being purified by his love to be perfected fully to be in heaven. So there's no more. We'll be completely holy and immaculate, totally freed from every, every aspect of, of imperfection. But we'll see the Lord. We'll see, with, we'll see him. He'll greet us. I know that some of the experiences that people had, those who have died, they had the experience of light and, and the comfort uh, which they experience, but for us, it's not just that, it's the personal relationship because going beyond the light, beyond, beyond is, is a personal presence of Jesus himself, the Lord himself. Therefore, console one another with these words, that the Lord will be always with you. You'll never be alone. And here, what we have in a gospel is Jesus who tells us who he is. In the in Gospel of St. Luke, because we began to read the Gospel from St. Luke, we, you know, last week and for a number of weeks we were reading the Gospel of St. Matthew. But from the Gospel of St. Luke, what do we have here is this. First of all, we do you know, remember the, the infancy narratives about Jesus. Chapter 3 of the Gospel is, is, the, uh, is John the Baptist and the baptism of Jesus. And then chapter 4 begins with... Uh, Jesus being moved by the Spirit to go to the desert. That's where he's tempted by, by, by evil. And then he goes from Judea, where he was, spent the 40 days and 40 nights. As you remember, the evil one was tempting him to really become this, this ruler of this world. You know, change stones into bread. Uh, you know, to, be, to, to realize that the kingdoms of earth should be something something inspiring to him. Follow my example of rebelling against the Father, do whatever it is, or even as he says, you know, throw yourself from the parapet because if God is truly your God, then he'll protect you. You know, the, the temptations that Jesus endured to create this kingdom on earth, this kingdom here, 
And yet Jesus says, no, my kingdom is not of this earth. My kingdom is to prepare humanity to share in the glory of God. And so here it is, after the temptations of, of Jesus, where does he go? He walks from, from Judea to, to Galilee, back to Capernaum and then Nazareth, and filled with the Holy Spirit, he begins to proclaim his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of, 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 of mercy and love, the kingdom of, of glory. And so he's there and he walks back to Nazareth, his hometown. And as we can see today's gospel, he, he comes to Nazareth where he had grown up and went according to, to his custom into the synagogue on a Sabbath day. So everybody knows Jesus was coming to the, to the synagogue to pray and to listen to God's word every week, every Sabbath. But there, this time he stood up to read and was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. So it, he, did not, he did not ask for the, for the, for the prophet Isaiah, the, the book of prophet Isaiah. He was handed, was given. And then he looks and he chooses that special, uh, special quote. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what is known as messianic a portion of scripture, which means the future glory that will come, the future glory that will be given by God to his people. And so he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And in fact, as we know, when he was baptized by, by John the Baptist, the spirit came down upon him like a dove. The union of the Father's word and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, the Trinity. And as the, as the Holy Spirit, in, through that humanity of Jesus, moved him to go to the desert. And now the Spirit is moving him to come back to Nazareth. And he enters, and so he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Anointed meaning being Messiah. The messianic figure of the word Christ means the anointed one. So the Holy Spirit, sometimes we hear our Protestant brothers and sisters says you have received the anointing of the Holy Spirit, meaning that you're inspired by the Spirit, that you receive the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the moment in which you are praying or praying for others. So because the Lord has anointed me to bring the glad tidings to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim you're acceptable to the Lord. So that the Lord is saying that he was sent here to, to take care of both of the poor, give the glad tidings, the, the gospel. Is that's what you, Angelion, means, the gospel, the good news to all of us, that there's no more death, there's resurrection, there's, there's glory beyond the grave. God will always be with us. So he's proclaiming the good news to those who are poor, poor in spirit and poor in fact. And he has sent me to proclaim liberty, freedom to those who are captives. Captives, not only those who are you know, in jails, those who are in any way being detained, but also those who are trapped, trapped by, by addictions. People speak that you're, you know, this being in jail, literally, being, being trapped in one's own weakness by one's own sinfulness or the conditions in life which seems to, 
do not provide us with the opportunity to get out of this trap. And yet the Lord says, I was sent to proclaim freedom. With Jesus in us, we become free. And Jesus with us, we have the power to overcome no matter what type of addictions we may have. If we cry to him, if we call upon him, and sometimes it may take 10, 20 or years maybe, but the Lord will provide us with that freedom and recovery of sight to the blind. The blindness, not only physical, but spiritual blindness, not being able to understand or even accept in faith the Lord who has given us these privileges, blindness of, of, of not being seeing, seeing the truth of revelation, and let the oppressed go free oppression, what type of oppressions we undergo, to proclaim a year favorable and acceptable to the Lord, which means a jubilee year, freedom, no more. Return to the original blessings that God wishes to provide for us. But what happens here is for the first people in the Nazareth, they look at him and they say, wow, the way he read, it's beautiful. So they were impressed by, by what he did. But then immediately they said, but isn't he the carpenter's son? He's not a prophet. He's no one. We've known him for 30 years. He worked like everybody else with his hands. He worked as a carpenter. Can carpenter become this Messiah, messianic figure? Not possible. And so this is when the Lord says to them, and he, he, he knows them very well. He says, he says uh, uh, they all spoke beautifully of him. Gracious words came from his mouth. But also they said, is he not the son of Joseph? And then Jesus responds to the lack of faith. Surely you'll quote me this paragraph, physician, cure yourself. You know, first of all, become, you know, who you wish to be. But that means we know that physicians don't cure themselves often. They can cure others. And so therefore, you know, don't be under illusions that you are you are, you are the Messiah itself. You're kind of being critical. And, and, and then they say, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was closed for three years, three and a half years, and a severe famine spread through land. But to none of these, Elijah was sent, but to a widow in Zarephath. It's the people of faith. Do you remember widow of Zarephath? She believed she had only so much flour and oil and no more. And the prophet says to her, give me the cake first to eat. And I promise that you'll never run out of flour. And she believed. So she gave her portion of food that she had with her son. And there's nothing more. And she would starve to death. And yet she believed. This is what Jesus is saying. This widow of Zarephath, she's not of, of the people of the covenant, and yet she believed. She believed the prophet. Same thing with Elisha, the, Elisha, the prophet, that none of them was cleansed since they were lepers, and yet Naaman the Syrian. And what, what, it wasn't the Naaman's faith, but it was the little girl of Jewish background who was taken in to be a servant girl, and she says, go, you'll be healed, a girl to instructing a military leader, great commander. He says, you go. Uh, should Naaman say, I can't believe this. I'm following somebody girl's advice. 
to believe that there's a healing. I mean, can you think about that? Some servant girl says, you go. You go to Israel, you're going to find healing. And he does. And secondly, when, 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 uh, when Elisha tells him, you got to go and cleanse yourself in the river of Jordan, and the first thing he says, look, we have better rivers in, in Syria than this one. This one seems to be kind of polluted. Why should I go there? And once again, his servants are telling him, who believe, he says, if the, if the prophet would tell you something extraordinary, would you not do? Because he told you something so ordinary as to go and, go and bathe seven times in a river. But it's faith, faith. And this is what Jesus says. It is those who have belief, those who have faith. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they want to throw him out. They don't want to listen to him. And that's why, because they didn't have faith. And you know, today for us too, and this is maybe a little quick summary. God gives us the gift of faith, to know God that goes beyond that which we see. The Lord speaks of death as falling asleep. Should we be afraid of death when we know that the Savior is beyond the grave? Shouldn't we in some ways anticipate with joy the moment so finally we'll see the Lord? But we can anticipate with joy when we place ourselves completely at, at his disposal, asking for forgiveness of sins, asking that he may prepare us for this moment. You know, we pray for happy death so that beyond the grave that we're not afraid, that we, we will be looking forward to that moment, not in fear, but actually in joy, seeing the, the one that we have loved so much, the one who loves us, the saints who are there. That's one teaching. The second one is to remember that he will always be with us, even at the moment of agony, no matter what takes place, no matter what difficulties take place. The third thing is that he wants us to believe. For some reason, it is so important for the Lord that we believe because what happens is what we see is so limited. If the Lord gave us all the things, you know, the healings and everything else, would forget just quickly as we do. We receive grace, and then we're very happy for a moment, and then we forget, we worry about it. Faith opens us to us treasures that we cannot grasp fully, but it opens us for us something that goes beyond. That's why Jesus was teaching through parables, because that's the only way he could teach. That's why faith is important. If we had all the factual data which we actually do because we see the universe, we see the complexity of this creation, we see ourselves, you know, incredibly wonderful made who we are, yet we kind of pay attention to being upset with one another, We're, you know, instead of praising God for the gift of one another in its old beauty, we are stuck to, you know, to things that, you know, somebody says this, somebody says that, you know, somebody doesn't do this, or somebody does that, and all of a sudden we all messed up because we don't look at the world from the bigger picture of God's gift to us, the complexity, the beauty, the incredible nature of human life, the, you know, the incredible gift that God gives us through a little baby, the way we were born into this world. So we need faith to see something greater. But as Pope Francis would say, sometimes we kind of feel like we already know, so we don't really, we focus on action but we don't focus on contemplation, meaning that we don't go and spend time reflecting and opening ourselves to the Word of God, 
to hear something that goes beyond. And he says, this is, we miss out. The more we are active, the more we should be living a life of contemplation. But the more we're active, then we look for junk, we listen to all the news, everything we, we listen, and we're trapped in the ideological, uh, political world of views, and we can't grasp beyond that. We look through the eyes of prism of, of, of material things, and that's how we're trapped again. But the, God wants to give us these things through faith. This is why St. Paul says how important faith is, and Jesus himself. Prepare yourself. He says, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the um, St. John uh, records words of Jesus. He says, do not be afraid, little flock, that has pleased the heavenly Father to give you his kingdom. Do not be afraid. Jesus compares us to a little flock of sheep that just thinks about green grass, and that's about it, and some water, rather than seeing the, the beautiful gift of, of eternity. So this is what Pope Francis said, you know, and he says, we have to enter into the, the, the contemplation because only there we see more and more and more who we are. And then we, we enter into this profound communion of love with God, communion, profound communion of the Trinitarian love. And this is the invitation that the Lord is extending to us. And so as part of, you know, the Labor Day, as you know, people want to take advantage of the last summer days before they have to go to work. They drive like crazy, you know, to be there, to come back home, to beat the traffic, and they go right in the middle of the traffic. You know, I know that we wish to, you know, take, take advantage, and it's a beautiful thing to do so, especially visiting families. But beyond that, beyond the Labor Day, it opens up for us a, a life of, of, of not just the leisure itself, but participation in the creative gift of God. We co-create, so to speak, because we take the elements and we build out of wood, we build beautiful furniture and beautiful things around us. We take, you know, cotton and we have those beautiful clothes or even whatever we do. Is we co-create, God gives us the capacity to co-create not only material things, but also co-create the human life, preciousness of human life. So Labor Day should kind of invite us not only to that grasping for something of the summer which we have, but also opening us beyond that Labor Day to a year of grace, to a year of work with spiritually, materially, for the things that God wishes to bestow upon us but especially the gifts that are brought through the gift of faith, whereby the Lord opens the windows of incredible treasures, knowledge, love, transforming power of the divine love until one day we share in his glory when will she see him as he truly is. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. 
Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.